Welcome to Edge Rush for week six in the National Football League. And if you had the Atlanta Falcons as the only undefeated team against the spread to start the year, uh, you are a liar. It's Chris Abbott, your host. I'm joined by TA from Clev Analytics and at Hitman428 on Twitter, professional gamblers. And I am not, but they're helping me become a much better, better. Guys, it's Edge Rush. Um, it's week six, and we're going to start it off with the Thursday nighter, as always. Washington against Chicago. This game opened. Uh, Washington is a slight favorite. Look ahead at some places. It's about uh, Chicago's one-point favorite. I'm seeing Pickham's on the money line. Uh, injuries around these teams, around every team by now on, on week one. And, T.A., we touched on this game a little bit on day-to-day yesterday. I'm going to let you lead off. Uh, let me know your thoughts on this one. Yeah, it's a pretty brutal Thursday night game, but, you know, we're all going to watch. So we might as well put money on it, right? Um, I, I actually have a have a, um, a wager in on the commanders at the money line. Um, you know, I was on them last week. They were one yard away from covering for me, and then Carson Wentz pulled to Carson Wentz and uh, threw uh, – I don't even think if that was going to be completed, it was going to be a touchdown, but uh, – but they played well. I mean, they held Tennessee to under four yards per play. It's crazy that Tennessee even uh, was leading in that game. But, you know, Washington managed to blow it. I just think that uh, these teams, um, from a, a talent standpoint, are not really that close. I think Washington's way more talented, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, Carson Wentz hasn't been great, but he, he you know, the one thing he's done well is he's thrown the deep ball very well. He's top 10 in um, PFF grade on, you know, on those deep throws. He's actually fifth uh, in PFF grade on deep throws, and he's got some good weapons with Terry McLaren and Curtis Samuel. We saw Diami Brown last week caught, uh, caught two touchdowns. So, you know, he can't get the ball down the field. And I just think that, you know, he's got more weapons than, you know, what we see with, with the Chicago side of the ball. You got Justin Fields who can barely complete a pass. <laughs> you know, they did actually move the ball a little bit against uh, Minnesota, but in general, he just hasn't been, um, you know, a quarterback to, to throw the ball down the field. Uh, the, the, the commanders are ninth in, in blitz rate, and Justin Fields ranks 35th out of 36 quarterbacks um, against the blitz. He has the second highest turnover worthy play percentage uh, against those blitzes. In general, I think the Washington defense is one of the more underrated units um, in the NFL. They just don't, they're top 10 in success rate on defense. But what their problem is, is they just don't turn the ball. They don't or cause any turnovers. So they're last in EPA created on turnovers. They only have one, they have one fumble that they've caused and did not recover it. And they've got one interception that they've actually picked off. Otherwise they've got nothing. And, and, you know, when Carson Wentz has turned the ball over, he's done it on his side of the field a lot of times. So there's been short fields that Washington's defense has had to, to deal with. So, you know, they've actually been pretty good. I mean, they're number one in my kind of drive success rankings on defense uh, because these, uh, you know, and that looks at really how offenses, you know, can they move the ball down the length of the field? So when offenses get the ball in their own territory, you know, how well is the defense, you know, slowing them down and, and Washington is really good at that. So I, I think they're an underrated group. They really do a good job of stopping the run more than anything. And that's the only thing that the bears can do on offense. So I like the, the, those matchups. And as long as, you know, knock on wood, Carson Wentz doesn't, you know, uh, commit a bunch of turnovers. I think Washington will win this game, you know, the last factor and whatever these, these are trends, but I think this is a trend that's been pretty consistent for a while. Now we saw it last week, these rookie head coaches, especially early in the season struggle a lot on Thursday night football. It's different than their normal, normal routine. And they, you know, it, it's just not something that they're used to. And it's a short week to, to game plan. And we saw Nathaniel Hackett last week. He lost outright as a favorite. So now they're, these rookie head coaches are 8-19 and 19 against the spread. It's 29% on Thursday nights since 2015. You know, Ron Rivera, obviously a veteran coach, has been here before. He kind of knows how to prepare his team. I think all of that, you know, lends me to uh, the Washington side. So uh, I'm going to force myself to watch this game and uh, have money on it. Oh, man, Tia. You know, I, I would love if the Bears – got to be, uh, and I, I doubt it's going to happen, but if they become a one-point favorite or so, again, I would love teasing up Washington because Chicago is just – can you think of one team in the league that <laughs> is built to not win by margin more than the Chicago right. Bears? I, I can't think of one team. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I, I would love it in a teaser. I do tend to lean towards the Washington side as well. 
And I did hear you mention about um, Carson Wentz throwing deep a lot. And the Bears have been a team that have given up the highest percent of completions on 20 or 20 yards or deeper passes this season. So I know we're sides and totals podcasts, but I will mention that I do like Terry McLaurin to me potentially get at least one of those deep throws. And I do think that is over longest reception at 20 and a half and is over 53 and a half receiving yards has some value, but as far as the side and total goes, uh, I f- passed for me, but I would love to get Washington in a teaser. And I, I saw that the market is, was moving this morning, I, I you know, towards Washington. So my guess is Washington will probably end up closing with you know, minus one or something or pick them. But um, if I had to guess, so I'm not sure you'll get that, <laughs> that one and a half that you'd probably want, or at least a one uh, to tease up, unfortunately. All right, let's head to Sunday now. And we're going to start with, uh, Already the second game of the season series between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts, the Jags won at home back in week two. And we talked about it at the time that Indianapolis has not been very good at Jacksonville. Well, of course, they're the home team now. Jacksonville's covered six straight spreads against the Colts, but this is a small one. And we see the Jags go from a seven point favorite last week to a two and a half point dog against a team that is riddled with injuries, as we discussed on the show yesterday. So uh, I'm really interested to get your takes on this game. And Hitman, I'll start with you uh, to see what you think about this one. Yeah, so there was a release on the Colts early in the week, and that that brought the line up. But it's really one of those, I think, the injury report is so important. We have the Jonathan Taylor situation. We have the Shaq Leonard situation Naheem Hines is in the concussion protocol so it's one of those games that I think if someone like Jonathan Taylor's ruled out we could see the the Jacksonville going down the plus one maybe potentially even the pick'em range although I don't think it does get there but if he's ruled in it maybe goes up to two and a half so I think that's a good game to monitor there's you could always look towards Jacksonville and teasers I'm not opposed to those as that those at all, especially after we saw that Matt Ryan just can't throw the ball down the field right now. There, his offensive line is not protecting him, and he really does not have much of vertical threats, nor does he have potentially much arm strength left at this stage in his career. So I'm not opposed to the Jacksonville teasers, but I think that as of right now, you, you just monitor the injury report for the Colts. Yeah, I don't have a play on this, but I, I would tend to lean Jaguars if I had to. Um, it's it's pretty crazy. What in week two, Colts are laying four before all those injuries in Jacksonville. Now they're they're laying one or two at home. It's in just a couple of weeks. So you, you see the perception changes of both of these teams. You know, the Jags are just I haven't I haven't touched any Jags games since that um Chargers game a couple of weeks ago. I, I just don't know what to do with them. Still have no clue if they're if they're good, bad, or just average. You know, they, they just they, they keep running into situations where they're they're playing teams that are have you know, tons of injuries or they played in a slop fest in, in Philly. And then I don't know what happened last week. You know, I didn't watch any of that game, but obviously losing outright to Houston, even though they you know sounded like they, they really outgained them. And, you know, in the box score, it was kind of a misleading final. But, you know, still uh, Trevor Lawrence making mistakes at the goal line. Um, you know, it's hard. I talked about it last week. It's just hard to lay points with a team like the a young team, like the Jags are just not ready for it. So that's why I stayed, stayed away. But, you know, if they're going to get a couple of points here, if Jonathan Taylor does not play, um, you know, I think, and they've got, we, we talked about on the show yesterday, they have tons of defensive injuries. It's the Shaq Leonard. It's the Forrest Buckner is dealing with things. Quiddy pay second year edge rusher. You know, he may be out Julian Blackman, their safety. Like they've got a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. And um, so, you know, we'll, we'll monitor, but uh, I think it's Jag. Is there a world here where Matt Ryan and Trevor Lawrence start slinging the ball and this total is too low? Or am I just looking for something that's not even there? I think the Colts, I think Colts games have gone under like eight games in a row. I don't know the exact stat, but they just constantly go under and they just have no explosive capabilities. I was, you know, I gave out that uh, first half under last week and Thursday night that hit easily. And my, my real handicap was just the Colts have no ability to go down the field at all. Michael Pittman has zero targets of over 20 yards, which is just incredible to me. It's because Matt Ryan's offensive line is really, you know, letting him down. He has no time to do anything. He's not mobile at all. So he can't get the ball down the field. 
And there's just, when you don't have that explosion out of Jonathan Taylor, if he doesn't play, then I don't know how they move the ball enough, you know, con, you know, uh, with big chunks in order to, to, you know, cover some of these totals. So, and their defense is playing pretty well. We saw it last week. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to look at an over here just because these Colts teams are, they just trend to trend to the under more than, more than often. Yeah. They're on a massive under streak for sure. I, I don't know. I'm trying to, I was trying to find something now, TA, you made a crack a, a little while ago here on the show about teams that, that can't uh, break away and cover big spreads for the third week in a row. Now we're looking at the green Bay Packers as more than a touchdown favorite. Um, they did not cover two weeks ago. Uh, they squeaked out a win uh, against uh, new England uh, and the third string quarterback last week, they lost straight up in London and now they're coming back to Lambeau. Look ahead on this one was nine and a half. After we saw what happened Sunday morning, uh, kind of reopened at seven at most books. I'm seeing seven and a halfs out there now. Uh, are the Jets not getting any credit or was the win over Miami maybe just uh, a circumstantial victory? No, I think they're getting a little bit of credit. Like I said, the line moved you know, off the open or off the look ahead. Uh, it's still Green Bay. Green Bay's got this mystique, especially at Lambeau. So people are still judging them based on, you know, last year's team. And, um, you know, maybe everyone's priors are just off. You know, they just, they, they can't, they had every advantage in the world against the Giants last week in London and couldn't pull away. They just don't have, again, don't have the ability to go down the field. As you mentioned, uh, Aaron Rodgers likes to kind of dink and dunk. He doesn't like to take a lot of chances. So when you don't have separation out of your, your playmakers, it's hard to take those chances. And so I can, you know, I can see a, a similar situation. They play very slow. And if they do get a lead, they just want to sit on it with, with AJ Dillon and, and, and uh, Aaron Jones. So it's hard to create separation. I would never take Green Bay here personally. Not that I love the Jets, but, um, you know, it is a tough spot coming back from London. And, you know, we saw the Vikings last week couldn't, couldn't cover a big spread. You know, the Saints did um, off, off in the game, but, you know, that was dicey. You know, historically, it hasn't. It's been kind of 50-50 proposition uh, of these teams coming off of London without a buy. I will say one angle that is interesting that I've noted. I have no idea if it's just coincidence, but these these teams off of London trips that uh, play the next week, so they don't take a buy. There's been seven of them. Six of their opponents the next week have gone over their team total. So I don't know if it's tired legs on the defensive side of the ball, or again, it's small sample size. Could just be coincidence, but you know. Um, to keep an eye on that. Maybe the Jets um, can can go over that uh, team total that you know you missed out on yesterday, last week, Chris, that I talked about <laughs> with Miami. Maybe that situation to go back to the well. Um, I don't love their offense, but they've got a, they've got some decent weapons in the outside. If Zach Wilson can get them ball, they have been running the ball well, and this Packers defense has been overrated. So that's one area that you may want to um, take a look at is is maybe the Jets team total uh, over. But um, I don't know how how uh, true that that trend is or if that's just coincidence i thought i just thought it was worth noting oh man we talked about this on day to day yesterday i was hovered over it i could hear your voice in my head and i didn't make the bet and sure enough they go over 40 points their total was i think 21 and a half so um that's why it pays to listen to edge rush folks uh what about you hitman anything on this one yeah, I'm usually not – I always say this, I'm not a big trend guy, but I am when it makes logical sense and you can explain the trend. And the trend of these defenses giving up more points without taking the buy off the London trip, I mean, it makes logical sense, uh, as TA said. So I do see a, a little bit of logic to that. I, I lean towards the over. I know that's a popular play that's been given out by a few different services and it did get some buyback. When it was given out over 45, it got brought down, brought the break back down to the number. But it's the, the Jets, I think, do have some potential on offense. And I was as down on Zach Wilson as anybody coming into this season because he had a rookie year that was like Deshaun Kaiser, Dwayne Haskins esque. And most quarterbacks don't recover from that. But the Jets have done, and the offensive line is an issue, although getting Dwayne Brown back was huge. But the Jets do have talent, and Brees Hall now is looking like a guy that could potentially be a future top six, seven, eight running back, and along with three decent receivers for him. So it's it's a low total, and the Jets have a pretty low implied team total at around 18 points or so. But – 
to me, it's, I, I think I could only look towards the over uh, on this, over 45. And I, I could probably only lean to the Jets as well. Okay. Should I take the Jets at plus seven and a half right now, or should I wait? I don't, I mean, I, I don't see it getting under seven. So I, I don't know. Hit me what do you think? I mean, it's, it's all about asymmetric risk, I think. I mean, could it go to eight? Could it go to eight and a half? Yeah, it could. Is it as big of a deal as if it goes to seven? Not even close. Obviously, eight is a little bit more key of a number nowadays due to teams going for the two-point conversion down 14. But compared to seven, it's it's night and day, the difference. I, so uh, I think that uh, on a line that I don't have that strong of a feeling on where it's going to go to if I'm 50-50, then I would always lean towards just take the seven and a half now. So I think that's what you would do if you were inclined to take the Jets. Yeah, I would too. But I will say it is interesting. Uh, there is no teaser protection here because it's an easy one to tease down. But I think people are just scarred. Uh, I think Hitman, you might be from last week. A lot of people took that Green Bay Tampa teaser and got burned. So maybe maybe that's what they're thinking is nobody no one's really uh, dealing with a teaser here with Green Bay, especially off of a London trip. But um, so that would be the only thing that, you know, I would think about if of it potentially going up to maybe nine to protect from teasers, but doesn't look like people are even angling that way. So yeah, you might as well just take the seven and a half um, or just take that team total. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way. Are the jets, the jets get to, are the jets going to cover seven and a half if they don't get to, you know, 18 points? Uh, probably not. So you might as well just take the, might as well just take the 18 points. I love it. Thank you. Uh, let's go right to the Green Bay Packers kryptonite from last week. Anyway, the New York football giants, uh, you talked about teams not having that buy coming back from London, even though there are two buys or two buy games this week. Um, Brian Dables, giants four and one straight up and against the spread and, and probably just getting the hopes of these long suffering giants fans up enough to crush them later on. But uh, this total, this side rather is bounced around a little bit. There's been sixes, there's been fives, there's been five and a half, there was four and a half. Um, right now, five and a half, five seems to be where it's sitting. I, uh, are we believing in the New York giants yet, or is this a bad week to believe in them seeing they're coming, uh, coming off that trip? Let's start with you, Hitman. So, I mean, I'm looking for spots to fade the giants and I did it last week and I ended up looking like a complete jackass, betting so much on green Bay teasers. I took green Bay in contests and the line went with me. They closed as think nine, nine and a half point favorites after being at seven and a half. So the, the line went with me and it looked good at halftime and obviously didn't come through. But uh, as much as I respect the coaching job that Brian Dable and Wink Martingale are doing for the Giants, and I think that the Giants do have a bright future potentially due to those coaches. I mean, this roster, it just has to catch up to them eventually. They lost more defensive players this past week, their receiving corps is a disaster. It, it just has to catch up to them. And, and speaking about Martingale, I was thinking about, oh, well, you know, he might know Lamar Jackson better than anybody. Obviously, he was the defensive coordinator for the Ravens during Lamar's entire career. And I thought maybe that would affect Lamar in a negative way. But I was looking at it, and the Giants blitz at the league's highest rate with Martingale. They play man coverage, the second most in the NFL. And that's the type of defense that Lamar has done great against this season. He's been great against the blitz and he's been really good against man coverage as well. And specifically Mark Andrews has been really good as his top target against man coverage this year. So I I definitely, I'll call it a strong lean to Baltimore, but not something that I have played yet. Yeah. You know, I'm the guy who's had a lot of, I have a lot of giants futures from before the season. I have them, 11 to one to win the NFC East and um, some to make the playoffs. I have, I have a ton on there over seven, uh, seven, a little bit, seven and a half win total. So I'm feeling good. I did not expect this uh, to this degree. They have a, they have the second easiest schedule in the NFL coming into the season. Did not have them beating the Packers though. Um, you know, I did say in, in my preview, if you read it, I did say that they, you know, there was only um, one of the few teams that only had to play seven true road games because one of their road games was in you know uh in london so you know they are uh, they are looking good from that perspective but yeah they, they are just completely beat up and you got to give 
Brian Dayball, Wink Martindale, all the credit in the world. Um, I mean, Daniel Jones is just kind of eking out all the, all his ability um, essentially on one leg. And obviously Saquon Barkley has been awesome. So th- this is just, uh, it's hard. I mean, Daniel Jones historically has been one of the better quarterbacks uh, against the spread as an underdog. Uh, I mean, they just, I think he's three and zero outright as an underdog this year. So he's tough to bet against. It's just whatever, for whatever reason he plays well in this role. Uh, I don't know what to do with the Wink Martindale blitz situation with Lamar. As uh, Hitman mentioned, Lamar has been excellent this year against the blitz. He's top five in the NFL in PFF rating against the blitz. We saw what he did against Miami this year uh, when they tried to blitz him. If he breaks away, he can get an 80 yard touchdown like that. Uh, I will say last year in that Thursday night game, he had no clue what to do against the all out blitz when Miami was coming after him. So it's kind of a night and day thing. I don't know which Lamar we're going to get. I think Rashad Bateman's a huge loss. You know, I was on here last week talking about how much I love Baltimore minus three. And then Bateman just popped up on the injury report out of nowhere uh, midweek and was out. And that was a huge loss. If I would have known that I would not have taken Baltimore because they just don't have any weapons. As you saw, they just can't stretch the field without Bateman and Andrews. Uh, You could just, you could just double team Andrews and deal with whoever, you know, James Prochet and Demarcus Robinson and and just kind of guys like that on the outside. So keep an eye on Bateman. I think if Bateman's out, I might look to the giants a little bit um, because I, I just don't know if, if the Ravens can, can put up a ton of points. They haven't been able to run the ball and it would just be all Lamar and Mark Andrews. So, you know, nothing for me, but if Bateman's out, I'll um, take another look at, uh, at, uh, at the giants here. A whole bunch of us had money on the Bengals uh, underdog spread last week. People forget that the Ravens actually won that game. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people I've been talking to this week, they actually won and, uh, but they didn't cover. And that's all that matters when, uh, when we're chatting here. So let's talk about the Bengals. They've covered in three straight. Uh, and before that they had covered in eight in a row. A lot of those as a, an underdog on their way through the playoffs uh, and the end of the regular season. So have that for what you will, but you know, if you drop those, uh, those two, uh, maybe less than stellar games to start the season for the Bengals. They're they're right back. We're, I'm going to pro- proclaim them back anyway, whether they are or not. And then you've got a New Orleans Saints team who's going to be a two-point or higher home dog, uh, by the way the line is moving here, um, with a ton of injuries. And we touched on this game yesterday on day-to-day. So I'll start with you here, T.A. Um, are the Saints undervalued? Are we putting too much weight on Jameis Winston? Is the Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill combination just fine to go against the Bengals? Yeah, and uh, so you know, I was on the Saints last week against Seattle. I was on them two weeks ago against Minnesota in London, covered for me both times. I continue to say that the Saints are the most under undervalued, underrated team in the NFL. Their uh, underlying metrics don't look nearly as good, but when you strip out all of the crazy, fluky turnovers that they committed on offense earlier this season. I mean, fumble recoveries for touchdowns, um, you know, terrible interceptions by Jameis Winston. You know, they had multiple fumbles and they won against Tampa as well late, like just high leverage, horrible um, turnovers that, you know, are just not necessarily predictive. Uh, If you strip those out, uh, they are one, they are one of the better teams in the NFL. When you look at some of their metrics, they're actually number one in net success rate, if you can believe that. So you know, they um, and they played pretty well last week, obviously coming off the London trip. Uh, Geno Smith did burn them for a few long touchdowns, but I, I like how they're playing. I actually like them better with the, the Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill combination than I would with Jameis. Jameis gives them, you know, more, you know, maybe more upside, but I think his his downside are all these turnovers. That's what caused them to lose those games to begin with. So uh, I don't know. I'm curious to see what, what they end up doing with him. If, if I saw that he may be practicing this week. So we'll see if he plays the wide receiver receiver position is a big deal. Chris Olave, who has been great so far getting down the field, ton of air yards. He uh, suffered concussion during the game and he left the game. Didn't come back. I just saw he, you know, uh, there's like five, no five steps of this concussion protocol, this new protocol that everyone's dealing with. And he's on like step three. So we'll see if he plays. Sounds like he's trending that way. But, you know, I don't, I doubt Michael Thomas plays Jarvis Landry missed last week. You know, if they could get a couple of those guys, at receiver back, I, I would like them a lot more here in this spot. Marshawn Lattimore uh, popped up today in the injury report, and he did not practice, and it sounds like he's trending downward. That's obviously a big deal against Jamar Chase in this, in this wide receiving core. So a couple injuries to keep an eye on. Like I'll just say if, if Lattimore plays and if one of the receivers plays for the Saints, I would probably be on them 
Uh, I just I think the Bengals are broken a little bit on offense. Teams are playing that cover two shell. They're forcing them to, to throw underneath. Uh, they just they can't move the ball consistently down the field uh, against this kind of new coverage that that these new coverage schemes that that people are throwing at Joe Burrow, and they can't run the ball at all. So um, you know, Saints have a good defense. So you know, um, I I think it'll be a fun game. Yeah, but uh, like I said, I, it'll, it'll all come down for me to how if Lattimore plays and if uh, they can get back at least one or two of these receivers. A lot of what T.A. said kind of points towards maybe a potential underlook in this game. It's funny because going into the season, as far as big three in uh, pass catchers, you would have put these two teams pretty high up there when you said, oh, well, the Saints, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, the Bengals – Chase Higgins Boyd, and think about it, that four of the, the six that I just mentioned could potentially be out of this game. And th- this is a Bengals offense that, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it when I saw that they're tied for last in yards per play on offense with the firepower that they have. And T.A. mentioned that they haven't really been able to adjust to the too high. You know, a lot of teams have had trouble with it, and you saw the Chiefs. They struggled with it even last year. But the difference is you have Andy Reid designing plays. And for the Bengals, it's Zach Taylor, a guy that, yes, he did go to the Super Bowl, but there is still some question marks about him as a head coach and a play caller. So for me, it just seems like a a lot of these injuries. And plus you have Jonah Williams also for the Bengals. And that's an offense that they've struggled to protect Burrow to begin with. Although they've played a little better recently, it's not a – offensive line that could start losing guys so for me if i did have to play something in this game it it would be the under and to your to your point you know they both do play very slow um so that you know and especially if Taysom hill gets more more looks on the ground that'll eat clock so you know that might not be a bad look i saw t higgins is, is hobbled so he may not play i know he started last week and then barely even got on the field so um you know that is an interesting look um you know, Saints are dead last in uh, in, in neutral game um, pace, and I think the the Bengals are twenty. So uh, both play really really slow anyway. So you know you hate, you always hate taking unders in a dome, but but you might be right, um, especially if Andy Dalton plays because he's not going to take as many chances. He's not going to turn it over as much as Jameis. Jameis plays it might be a tough one, but if uh, Dalton plays it might not be bad luck. Now a couple of teams that just don't play each other very often. Once every Olympic cycle, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. This line has moved toward Tampa. It touched nine at one point. We're looking at mostly eight and a half out there right now. I don't know. Is there any reason to have any faith that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be able to, to hang in this game or score against this Tampa team? Um, I don't know. Is this one to we just leave alone? Uh, how about you, Hitman? My power ratings support Pittsburgh ever so slightly, but it's not something I'm going to play. And one of the lessons that I think that I learned about last week where I took the 14 of Pittsburgh against Buffalo is that the Bills are just going to keep throwing and they're going to be aggressive. And I knew that coming into the game, but it's something that you really got to think about when you're asking a team to cover a big spread, you want them to be aggressive. And the, the Buccaneers the last two weeks have went back to last year's very pass centric offense. And it's an offense that is still going to be throwing the ball in the fourth quarter. If they're up 10, they're trying to score to make it 17. So even though my numbers have very slight value on Pittsburgh, this game ultimately probably ends up being a pass for me. Yeah, the the we didn't talk about it yesterday, but the, I just saw the the injury report for the week popped up today, and in the entire defensive uh, team for the for the Steelers is on it and is questionable. A bunch of guys did not practice, um, so that is really concerning, especially in their secondary. They've got a bunch of guys. We're not practicing. So that is one to, to keep an eye on because obviously they're already at a disadvantage. Um, and if they, if they have to play with a bunch of backups, it's going to be, it's going to be very difficult against Tom Brady. I would love uh, a piece of uh, Tampa in a teaser. Uh, I did see, uh, it's interesting. You said they're eight and a half. So I, I saw nines mainly across the board uh, as teaser protection. Uh, I think a lot of sites are, are posting that as teaser protection because it's going to be an awfully uh, popular one. So if I get a nice eight and a half minus 110, 
I'll uh, I'll look to uh, Tampa in the teaser leg. You know, they were up 21 nothing last week. I had Tampa uh, minus eight, and that was a brutal loss. Uh, they even got it down, uh, you know, inside the the 20. All they needed was a field goal at the end, and they got that uh, third down conversion. And so, you know, that was a tough, tough look. But I still think that this team is, uh, you know, essentially back healthy, got a lot of their weapons back. And, you know, I think they would, you know, they, they definitely have the ability to stretch these leads if they have to. So if you're looking at, at thinking about taking Tampa, I wouldn't blame you at all. I, I hate taking, I hate fading teams like Pittsburgh off such a blowout loss is, you know, historically, it's a bad idea. These teams, you know, uh, um, the market shades the other way. Um, and so you get a little bit of value on the dog, but it's really hard to back this team right now. So to me, it's it's teaser for, for Tampa or nothing. Okay, Kyle Pitts saying that he is expecting to go this weekend when the Falcons, who I mentioned off the top, the only undefeated against the spread team, uh, have San Francisco coming in. The 49ers three and two straight up and against the spread. They've been fun to watch. And this one, I'm really curious to get your guys' take on it. The money's actually been coming in on Atlanta here. Um, I've seen sixes go down to five and a half. So like I said, there's there's even a five on the board. Um, I'll start with you here, TA. Any interest in this one, or, or how do you look at it? Yeah, this is a tough one because we talked about this on, on the show. Uh, we're talking about the injuries, and, and there's multiple defenders. Eric Armstead's already uh, declared out. Nick Bosa hurt his groin. We'll see. I doubt he plays, but we'll see. They're missing Emmanuel Mosley, who's out. He's got a torn ACL. Jimmy Ward. They've got four or five guys on defense, like high high quality guys uh, that are either out or likely not to play. That's you know that's a big deal here on the second leg of a of a um, East Coast trip. So I know they're staying out East Coast. It's going to help them. They've done that before successfully in the past to stay at the old Greenbrier in West Virginia. Uh, and they, they almost always win these um, second legs. So, you know, it, don't work, you know, don't talk yourself into, into uh, travel as being an issue here. It's not going to be for San Francisco, uh, you know, Atlanta, you know, they started hot with, with, you know, some of their offensive metrics, they've cooled off of late. Marcus Mariota has not played well the last couple of games. And now you've got the, you know, the best defense in the NFL, although as I mentioned, without a bunch of guys, so it's hard to measure how good that defense will be. Um, it sounds like Kyle Pitts could play this week. They'll obviously help him. I, I don't. I don't really have anything on this game. Uh, if if San Francisco was fully healthy on defense, I would clearly take the Niners because um, I think Atlanta's due. They're not going to go undefeated against the spread, especially they're undefeated and they're under five hundred straight up. Just never happens. I don't know how how often that's ever happened. So you know the market's clearly you know um, fully fully baking all of their positive starts so uh but but all the injuries to the Niners it's hard to to evaluate what what this is going to look I'm just going to stay away for now and um you know maybe the over is a play here because of all the injuries and the fact that I know the Niners against this this uh defense that is dead last in pressure rate um they'll be able to move the ball against Atlanta and maybe the 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 Falcons can make some plays if if Pitts plays and all of the defenders are out for for the the Niners so that's one area that I'd potentially look at is the over yeah, I, I lean towards Atlanta. They, they got some decent injury news today with Kyle Pitts, and we mentioned the, the 49ers defensive injuries. Down Eric Armstead, down Javon Kinlaw, Nick Bosa. I don't know if he's going to be able to play in this game. Groin issues for pass rushers are typically not good. So if he does play, it could impact his effectiveness in this game. And this is a Niners and the plus they got injuries in the secondary. And one thing we've known about the Niners throughout the years when Salah was the coordinator and Ryan's has been the coordinators, they are very reliant on their front four to get good pressure. They never really built the secondary up and they just had such a dominant front four and front seven. Well, if you're losing all these guys, I know they do have depth, but it's going to take its toll. So for, for me, I could only lean towards Atlanta. And I know people talk about that. Like, Oh, well, if, Atlanta's covered all these games in a row. Eventually, the point spread tax has to catch up to them, and they're going to stop covering. Well, we'll go last week. They, they opened plus seven and a half, and they were bet up all the way to 10. So there's no point spread tax right now with Atlanta. They just have been competitive in these games and exceeding expectation. So for me, it would be a, a lean towards Atlanta, pending that this injury report for the 49ers defense doesn't end up being encouraging one other thing with Atlanta I mean 
is are they a live bet candidate the way they came in through the back door last weekend like uh man that was i i was on the other side of that of course which is why i know exactly how it played out uh and i'm just like please just just stop them please but <laughs> we didn't get there would you do would you ever consider that a team that's a, a decent sized dog wait for them to to be a further dog yeah i mean if, if you know the profile of a team it could work out i mean you, you would never just blindly bet it but Good example is a team like Detroit. I mean, how many times have we seen that this team doesn't quit? They're going to fight their way back in the games. And Jared Goff is a guy that when the defenses are playing that too deep and they're playing cover four and they're not allowing you to go deep, Jared Goff will dink and dunk you down the field and he'll make that score look respectable. So it's more of a team profile thing on a team like Detroit, for example. But I could theoretically see that with Atlanta also. Okay, moving right along, the New England Patriots at Foxborough last season beat the Cleveland Browns 45-7. to They're an underdog this week as they go to Cleveland. Obviously, two vastly different teams than uh, we saw play last year. Um, but the Patriots, um, you know, have found a way to still get it done no matter who's been at quarterback for them this season. You got a total between 43 or 44, depending where you're shopping. And the Cleveland Browns, um, certainly a good game on the ground. But um, I'm, I'm curious if uh, either of you guys have a, an angle on this one. I'll start with you, Hitman. Um, yeah, there's, there is some sharp money, some sharp guys I know that are on New England in this game, plus three. I don't have much. I mean, it's going to be Bailey Zappi, in my opinion. Are, are we at the point that Bailey Zappi is comparable to Mac Jones? Because... With my numbers, I probably would have made this line with Mac Jones at quarterback, maybe one and a half or something. So are we at the point where if there's a point and a half difference between these two guys? I'm not so sure about that. Um, it, it's one of the toughest games for me to handicap of the entire week, to be honest. And it probably ends up being a pass. And I, I've said it on this is the fifth or this is the sixth podcast we've done. I think I've said it six times. I'll defer to TA for my Cleveland Browns takes. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is just a matchup. It, this might be one of the fastest games at one o'clock because you've got two teams that run the ball like crazy. Uh, Browns are number one in rush efficiency and, and New England's number two. Two really good offensive lines, two defenses that don't stop the run. Both are bottom five in, in run defense. The, these defenses rank 31st and 32nd in explosive runs allowed. So it's like, you know, and New England's slow in general. They're 26th in pace. The Browns are 19th. Both teams are just going to want to grind out, grind this out, run the ball on each other. Um, I'm sure Bailey Zappi playing, you know, his first road start. Uh, you don't, Bill Belichick's not going to want to put him in a ton of bad positions. I mean, the Browns, the middle of the Browns defense has been absolutely torched. I can see why. Sharp guys are on New England uh, off of the three. I mean, they are getting completely demolished in the middle of that defense. Uh, Austin Eckler, I mean, the Chargers can't run the ball on anybody, and, and they just were, were gashing the Browns up the middle last week. Atlanta, with, with their uh, backup running backs, were gashing the, the Browns two weeks ago. And so it was so bad that the Browns traded for Deion Jones, a middle linebacker from Atlanta, on Sunday night following the game. You never see that. I mean, the night uh after a game you trade for a middle linebacker so he's probably going to play this week they actually signed a a veteran defensive tackle as well to plug the middle of that hole i don't know you know how much those guys are going to play in their first start deon jones is coming back from injury injured reserve anyway so i I think that just they're going to grind i mean the patriots are just going to try to hammer them up the middle Um, i would look at this under here um assuming there's not going to be a ton of explosive plays uh, I, I think that these teams are just going to run the ball like crazy on each other. And it's just a matter of who doesn't make the mistakes between the two quarterbacks. Um, but, you know, I, I would lean at New England uh, and New England in a teaser. If you want to uh, tease a game, I think it isn't bad at all in a lower scoring grinded out game um, with Bill Belichick. I, I would take eight and a half points here uh, in a teaser. If you're going to do anything, if you don't, if you lost, the, if you didn't get the three um, teasing that up, isn't a bad idea. Okay, moving to the final game in the early window. We've got the Minnesota Vikings at the Miami Dolphins. You know, guys, I thought it was just Mike Zimmer that couldn't cover the spread with his team for some reason, but he's gone, and they're 4-1 and one straight up, 1-4 and four against the spread. 
they are three and a hook right now heading to Miami where the quarterback situation and the injury situation entirely is quite fluid. Both of you guys have takes on this game. I'm going to start with you, T.A., and uh, I'll let Hitman finish it off. Yeah, so I, I like the over here. Uh, I think it's what's sitting at 45 and a half, 46, even with Skylar Thompson playing. I would have liked it better with Teddy Bridgewater, but um, I'm still okay with Skylar Thompson, he, who played really well in preseason. He's an older veteran rookie out of Kansas State. Um, he actually did push the ball downfield a little bit last week. It was a tough spot coming in mid mid you know, after the first play uh, for, for Teddy on the road. Uh, he gets a play at home, gets a full week of practice. I think he'll be okay. He's just got to get the ball to his playmakers. But really, both of these defenses um, can be exploited, especially uh, pass defense. If you look, both, they rank 29th and 27th in EPA per dropback. Uh, allow they're both allowing ab- above average rates uh, from explosive passes. The Vikings are 27th in explosive pass rate. Um, and that's against a set of quarterbacks that include Jared Goff, Justin Fields, and Andy Dalton. You know, they haven't faced a wide receiving group anywhere near what they'll see with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So, um, you know, and, and where Minnesota struggles is defending the middle of the field in their zone defense. Um, the, uh, and Miami with, with Mike McDaniel, this, this comes, this is a Shanahan staple. We used to, you know, you always watch Jimmy Garoppolo just hammer the middle of the field. They get these one-on-one matchups and they attack there. And the Vikings defense ranks dead last in EPA allowed over the middle of the field. So I think they'll have Skylar Thompson really, you know, attack this defense there. So it's, it's a good matchup from that perspective. You look at the, I mean, the Vikings just gave up 22 points, almost six yards per play to the Bears. Like they are not playing good defense at all. They're both bottom five and three and outs forced. Um, they don't, you know, cause uh, any punts <laughs> from the other side. So, you know, I think it's going to be a really good matchup of, of these two offenses, even without um, Tua in there. And I think obviously there's no weather risk. It's going to be 80s and, you know, 80 degrees and sunny. In Miami, so I think I expect a lot of points. Uh, I think Xavier Howard's going to play, but he may not be a hundred percent. He's got two bad groins. I mean, it's not you know, it's not like he's a hundred percent here. So it's going to be a tough cover against Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen. So uh, I think uh, I'm expecting a lot of points here and uh, essentially a shootout. Yeah, it's funny. Ta and I were talking during uh, earlier today. And we were both like, oh, well, Teddy probably has to be the starter for, for Miami because he literally did not have a concussion. So it, it was pretty surprising when I saw that Thompson was going to start and that Bridgewater would likely back him up. And obviously the reason for that is that they'd rather start Thompson on a full week of practice than they do Bridgewater uh, on limited practice. But so I, I mistakenly took plus three on Miami when – I could have just waited and had three and a half, but I, I still am looking towards Miami at three and a half with Thompson. I, I think he did play pretty well in the preseason. I think that Mike McDaniel is an excellent play caller. They have a lot of weapons, as TA said, that could take advantage of this Vikings defense, specifically looking at their corners going against these two wide receivers for the Dolphins. And Minnesota is they're four and one this year, but they've really struggled like it took uh, a late efforts for them to beat Detroit and Chicago at home. And the, the saints game wasn't very encouraging as well. So I think that if you're getting over uh, a, f- a field goal and you're getting three and a half of Miami, that it's worth a look. We'll be watching that one. I'm, I'm waiting to see how I get my heart broken uh, for that game, but definitely another keep your eye on the injury report game as well. Okay. Moving to the afternoon. It's been a bad start in Carolina. We'll say that. They're one and four straight up and against the spread. They fired their coach. Their opponent this week, the Los Angeles Rams, one and four against the spread, two and three straight up. Certainly hasn't been a banner start for them after raising the Super Bowl banner. Right now, guys, I've got this game at 11 at MGM. Um, Where does it stop? And is there any way to play this that makes sense? I'll start with you, Hitman. I really like the Panthers. If you're getting plus 10, plus 10 and a half is good, plus 11, in my opinion. And I'm just going to read off some some numbers uh, offensively for one of these two teams. 30th in EPA per play, 30th in rush success rate, 31st in explosive plays, 29th in points per game, 
uh, 30th in dropback EPA and dead last in yards per attempt. Now, everybody here is probably saying, all right, Hitman's describing the team that he's betting on, the 11-point underdog Carolina Panthers. No, I'm describing the big favorite in the Rams. And yes, there's very likely going to be some positive regression for the Rams offense. They're not going to continue to be this bad. Yes, they have went against three very good defenses in Buffalo, Dallas, San Francisco, which skewed some of these numbers. But this is a Rams team that they just can't protect the quarterback right now. And the Panthers, one thing about them is they are top 10 in pressure rate. They blitz 33% of the time, which is something bringing the extra rushers and getting those one-on-one matchups on the offensive line has not been as favorable for Stafford this year. Stafford is might have another center this week. So it, I just think that the Panthers are going to be able to get pressure with some of their guys, Brian Burns and Derek Brown. And yes, do I love the Panthers offense? No. And do I think the Panthers crappy offensive numbers are sustainable? Yes, I think they're sustainable. They're going to end up being a bottom three offense. But with the way these teams are playing right now, the Rams just absolutely cannot be laying this big of a price. And one trend that does support Carolina is that Carolina fits its into the category of teams the week after firing their head coach. Since 2009, those teams are 17 and nine against the spread with some of the logic being that these teams tend to be on edge, tend to bring that home run effort in the first game after for the interim coach. So for me, I really like Carolina at plus 10 or better. Yeah. I don't have an opinion on the side uh, or a total here. Uh, I'm going to lay off. Um, but we talked about it yesterday on day to day. So just for everyone, you know, kind of how I think this line is forming Baker Mayfield, if you look at his EPA numbers per drop back this year, um, and it's like a negative point to uh, three. Um, and if you look at Philip Walker, PJ Walker over his career, which he hasn't thrown that many passes, but he at least has two starts and some mop up duty. He's at a negative 0.3. So if you want to compare kind of how Philip Walker in his career versus what Baker's doing this year, um, he's doing worse than what Baker has done this year. So, you know, uh, on 30 dropbacks, you kind of multiply that out. You're looking at Baker is kind of costing his team about uh, seven and a half points in a game and, and Walker is about nine points historically. So it's about a point and a half uh, to two points uh, difference between Baker Mayfield this season and, and what Walker's done in his career. If you want to, kind of map that out. And so that's, that's why I think this number is about right from that perspective. Um, you know, uh, it's funny Walker's two and O as a starter, but his numbers are, have been terrible. <laughs> so it, it hasn't been because of him. He's just essentially been um, leaning on the defense and, and uh, Christian McCaffrey. But uh, again, we talked a million times about how uh, these backup quarterbacks come in and the market kind of loves to fade them um, kind of overvalues the opponent and the, the backups end up, you know, sometimes winning outright. So we see it time and time again. So that's why I would avoid that along with the, you know, that's a good stat from Hitman. I, I've known that for a while too. I, I just, this Carolina uh, team is just so frustrating. If the Rams, I mean, I would kind of wish the Rams would have won last week. This line might be like 14 and I think it would have been a better spot, but the Rams off of two horrible games, I just can't uh, step in front of them. So um, I'm staying away. All right. The Arizona Cardinals will go to Seattle to play the Seahawks. And this game opened at two and a half, three. It's still at two and a half, three, pretty much everywhere. Is this the week where it's like, okay, this is a really short line for Arizona. They're going to get this done. They're better than we've seen so far. They are two and oh, straight up and against the spread on the road for what that matters. Seattle two and three straight up and against the spread overall. Um Arizona's injury list is also pretty long, though. A lot of question marks. And, uh, of course, this will be the last game without DeAndre Hopkins. So I guess what I'm getting at here, T.A., is there is there room for us to bet the Cardinals this week? Yeah, so uh, me, and, me and Hitman might be on opposite sides here. I, I took um, the Cardinals immediately. It was my first bet of the week at minus 2.5. Uh, popped up to 3 with some juice. Now it's been kind of lingering between 2.5 and, and 3. So there's some resistance there. 
I, you know, I, I I'm four and zero in Seahawks games this year. I'm two and zero on them and two and two and zero fading them. I, this Seahawks defense is one of the worst I've ever seen. I mean, if I looking at my metrics, they are dead last in every metric possible, especially against the pass. They can't stop anybody. I mean, they just gave up 39 points to Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill, and no receivers. I mean, Chris Olave was out midway through that game. Uh, they didn't have Landry. They didn't have Michael Thomas. The week before, they gave up 40-some to Jared Goff and, and fourth and fifth string receivers. Uh, Russell Wilson, who can't do anything with that offense, they moved the ball up and down the field in that opener. They just couldn't punch it in. Like they are, this is a horrible defense. And so I cannot with good conscience ever either lay points with Seattle or take them, you know, as less than, you know, a three point underdog. I don't, I know they're at home, but that, that Seattle, you know, home mystique is really gone these days. And this is by far, you look at all the quarterbacks they face, you know, Russell Wilson, who, who's struggling, Marcus Mariota, Jared Goff, Andy Dalton. Um, they, they faced Trey Lance for a half and then Jimmy Garoppolo came in for the second half. And now you get Kyler Murray, big step up there in class. Uh, I don't think they can stop. They can, they can create enough stops. Arizona's playing a lot better on defense They're If you look at their metrics, um, they don't look that great. They're kind of bottom five in a lot of defensive metrics, but that's because that opener, when they were missing like six starters on defense, their entire secondary was out. Uh, and you had Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid spending an entire off season game planning for you. You know, they got absolutely destroyed by the, by the chiefs. Like that's, that's nothing to be ashamed of. It happens all the time. The bucks just happened to. You eliminate that. So since week one, take that out of the equation. They're a top 12 defense and they face teams like the Eagles and the Rams uh, and the Raiders, like pretty good offenses. So I feel pretty confident that they could slow down this Seahawks offense enough. And and I just don't think that the Seahawks are going to get any stops. They haven't stopped anybody at all, all season. I don't know why it would change here. So to me, uh, this is a Cardinals play. If you can get under three, I, I I feel perfectly good taking the Cardinals here. Yeah, I'll say about me liking Seattle that at two and a half, it's a it's a no play. So a lot of times you're like, oh, well, these two cappers are on different sides. Well, it's like, yeah, one likes one team at two and a half and then the other likes it at three, which is completely different. But at three, I, I like Seattle. Um, their defense is absolutely atrocious. There's just no denying that fact. But one thing that I think the Seahawks do have going for him is Geno Smith. I mean, I did not want to believe that he, that anything he was doing was sustainable, but he made some throws against the Saints that were just absolutely ridiculous. And he's been playing well all year. And you look at the matchup and we know that the Cardinals are going to blitz. They're blitzing 41% of of passing plays and they're going to bring that zone blitz. And Geno Smith, just against the Blitz, period, this season, second in the NFL in passer rating. So it's a matchup that's probably pretty favorable towards Geno. Then you look at the first half versus the second half. Seattle has scored on 63% of their first half possessions. Arizona in the first half has been absolutely abysmal this season. A lot of scores earlier in the year look a little bit more favorable towards them because they get down so big in this in the first half and then Murray would improvise in the second half so for me I mean there's no denying Seattle's defensive struggles they're up there with Detroit as far as the worst defense in the league but it's about it's all about the number in my opinion and Seattle is still getting Two, some would say two and a half for home field advantage. Back in the day, it used to be three, three and a half. And it's still two, two and a half. And if you're going to tell me that Arizona is five, five and a half points better than Seattle on a neutral, uh, I'm just personally not buying it. So Seattle plus three is one of my plays this week. But at two and a half, then it's a complete no play. As I'm listening to both of you guys lay this out, I'm thinking, it's well, okay, over. And during the week, we've actually seen the total come down a little bit. So I'm going to keep an eye on that uh, because one of you thinks one defense is horrible. The other one sees a, sees where another defense can be exploited. So uh, that's this, this, this could be uh, could be an overplay, huh? 
while while everyone's watching Buffalo KC, me and Hitman are going to be the sickos watching Arizona Seattle. Not, not only TV. that, but not only that, TA, but I just said how much I like Carolina. And that's oh, the yeah, other that's four right. o'clock game. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, what's wrong with me? That, that, that's they may actually, I heard, Chris, you're the, the baseball guy. They, they might actually move the Seattle game if the Mariners extend that, that, that series. So that will be interesting. They may stagger the Seahawks to like five, five 30, which would be kind of interesting. That might be the last game to, to finish um, in the four o'clock window. Yeah, that is true. If the Mariners have a home game on Sunday, they're going to push it. Yeah. Just a little bit later though. Um, but you know, one of the, one of the games that I'm really excited about, and I'm sure most of the country or countries as it were are excited about is the Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs right now. We're looking at Buffalo as a three-point favorite, but plus money. So, um, you know, we might see this come to two and a half. And if I know you guys, I know there might be a teaser play out there. What are you thinking, Hitman? Buffalo is a tough team to tease against just because we just talked about with them against the Steelers last week. They'll keep throwing when they're ahead. So I, I, I don't necessarily love Kansas City in a teaser, but I did bet Kansas City plus three, and this does have the makings of a game that's going to bounce around three and two and a half the entire week. So I fully expect that threes, at least at minus 120, will be available on Kansas City. You know, I, I keep saying it about Buffalo that I have Buffalo the highest rated team when they're fully healthy, clearly the highest rated team. But I keep saying, like, eventually some of these injuries have to catch up. And maybe I'm just wrong because I've been saying it for weeks and I've had mixed mixed results with, with them. In the Dolphins game, it worked against them a little bit, even though they dominated the stats. The Baltimore game, they end up winning by three. And then the Pittsburgh game, they win by margin. But you would think if, if it's ever going to matter that the defensive injuries, it would matter against Patrick Mahomes. And – I think that home field for the Chiefs, we know that this is going to be a game where they're going to have one of their, probably their highest home field of the regular season with how amped this crowd is going to be. So if you want to call it two, two and a half, then we're saying at plus three that Buffalo is around. And obviously going through the key number, it's a little different, but we're saying Buffalo is four and a half, five points better on a neutral when they are not at full strength health-wise. I, I just can't get behind that. And I just ultimately think that this ends up being a close game. And I mean, even go back to last year's playoff game where the Chiefs closed minus one and a half or something in that playoff game. Has there been that big of a difference in these teams from that moment to adjust the spread all the way to Kansas City plus three? I could see Buffalo minus one and a half minus two but if we get to that point where buffalo is laying three i just think it's too much of an adjustment and i like kansas city at that price yeah i don't know this is going to be a fun one <laughs> i mean they rank number one and number two in tds per drive they're you know both bottom eight and three and outs per drive they don't bottom six and in, in punts per drive like i mean i know the squarest play in the world is, is looking at this over but like i don't I mean, how, how are these teams stopping each other? I, I, I'm not, I don't have any play right now. You can find, like, if you want minus two and a half at a decent price, you can find it if you shop. And I think it, that's if you like Buffalo. And if you like plus three with the Chiefs, you can find it at a pretty decent price too. Yeah, I mean, you can get both ends of this. It's like whatever flavor you want, you can find. Um, so, you know, just again, shop around because there's there's different books laying different numbers here. Um, obviously, I mean, this is the first time in, in Mahomes' career he's a home underdog. Um, just in general, he's 7-0-1 against the spread in his career as an underdog. So, uh, But those are all on the road and, or in a neutral. So this is, uh, this is a, a tough spot if you're interested in Buffalo. Um, I, I, don't, I wouldn't advise, um, you know, like I said, shop around for either side because I think you can, you can find the number you want. I, I, I'm not doing anything with this game. I, I, again, I'll, I'll have money on Seattle. Uh, Arizona and you know I'm perfectly fine just not putting money on this game and watching it uh, I, I think Buffalo is good enough where they can blow out Kansas City um, and it wouldn't shock me the, you know the Chiefs you saw they struggled early against against the Raiders like you can get pressure on them you know they don't have the game breakers that they had with, with Tyreek Hill um, last year like you know you can at least keep them in front of you and not worry about getting over you know getting hurt over the top 
you know, Buffalo's typically really good defending tight ends. So I, I don't, uh, to me, I'm just uh, staying away and enjoying it, but you know, um, there's, there's definitely merit for both sides of this thing. Okay. One last game on Sunday. It's the Sunday nighter and you've got the five and old Philadelphia Eagles against the four and one Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I know you talked about the giants and your NFC East bet. There's lots of traffic at the top of that division who would have thought after the couple of years that this division has had although we're only in week six so that could all turn real fast we've got philadelphia three and two against the spread dallas four and one against the spread money coming in on the eagles cooper rush continues to get no love uh we're seeing six and a half populating the board right now total of 42 um, I'll start with you, TA. Uh, any any interest in this one? Is Cooper Rush, should he be getting more love or is this right about where it should be? Yeah, this is the right number. And it's funny, me and Hitman messaged each other earlier when we were talking about the Teddy Bridgewater situation. Uh, we were both kind of lamenting how mad we were that we didn't, we didn't grab Philly when we could have at four and a half. Um, it must have been released or maybe it was just on the on the news that Dak was definitely not playing, but um, that was definitely the right move. You know, I think Philly's going to win. I actually might look at some alternative lines. I typically type, like to take one or two game where I think there's some kind of outlier potential from a, from a blowout standpoint, and this could be it. Uh, I think there are scenarios here where uh, the Eagles defense really overwhelms Cooper Rush, who's not, I mean, he's doing a nice job of, um, you know, not turning the ball over, but, you know, <laughs> He's really getting lucky. I mean, his, if you look at some of his turnover worthy um, numbers, you know, he should have five turnovers, but um, he only had, he has no interceptions. Um, if you look at PFF, they have turnover worthy plays. He has five that they're crediting him, crediting him for, but he has no, no interceptions thrown. So he's getting really lucky on some of those tip balls and some of those bad passes are not being picked off. You know, you might see some of that regress in a, in a tough atmosphere. You know, he's really never played, he played that one uh, uh, Monday night game in New York. Uh, and then he played um, last week in LA, which is not even a road game. There's more Cowboys fans than, than Rams fans, but this is going to be a totally different atmosphere against this defense and come after him. You know, he's got one, you know, major threat at CD with CD lamb. I think the defense will, will hold him down. And, you know, the one thing about Dallas is they've been overwhelming bad offensive lines with their, with their pass rush. Um, but between teams like the Giants and the and Washington and Cincinnati and the Rams, those are four of the worst offensive lines in football. And now you have the single best offensive line in football in the Eagles, assuming everyone's healthy, which I think they'll they will be. And you're just not going to get the same looks as you you you've gotten with some of those other games. And you've got a mobile quarterback to boot. I think that the Eagles have a shot to blow out uh, Dallas with some, you know, um, you know, small, small percentage of probability. So um, I might look at some of these alternative numbers here, maybe just the money line. Um, you know, the numbers gotten a little bit out of hand um, from a straight uh, minus one ten perspective, but um, I definitely think Eagles are the right side. Yeah, I agree that Philly was the right side. And, you know, when, when it was at four and a half, all right, if it goes to five, no big deal. If it goes to five and a half, no, no big deal. But six is the number that that makes you pause a little bit uh, on laying it with Philly. And I really, I was waiting to see the offensive line injuries, and it came back very positively for Philly, where all four of their offensive linemen that were in question at least got in limited practice, which is very encouraging. So I think that Philly is the right side. I definitely lean towards them, laying the six. If it gets under six, it's potentially a bet of mine. But at the current market of six, just ends up being a strong lean for me. I thought it should be a fun one Sunday night, no matter how it plays out. All right, one last game to talk about. A uh, couple of coaches that are driving people crazy already early this season. we got the Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Chargers. Money actually coming in on Denver here. We're seeing four and a halfs on the board. Uh, I see one at Caesars right now as we're talking. Uh, we've got five and a half uh, at some other well-known books. So money is coming in on Denver as we get ready to go. Uh, but we talked about this the other day. Uh, TA and the, and the Broncos have, have some injury troubles. So I guess LA has some of their own, but um, do either of you guys have a, have a good feel on this? I'll start with you, Hitman. Yeah. My pure numbers supported Denver, but, and my numbers are supposed to account for this, but I can't fully account for how injured is Russell Wilson, how much 
is this shoulder injury going to affect him? I mean, he looked absolutely awful. And I was down on him a little bit coming into the year. I didn't think specifically athletically, I didn't think that he was the same player, but it looked really bad in that Thursday game against the Colts. So it, it's my numbers support Denver, but I don't know how confident I am right now in my Denver power rating, especially with their injury concerns on the offensive line, edge rusher. So for me, it probably ends up being a pass. Yeah, we talked about all the injuries yesterday. There's a million of them for Denver uh-huh. uh, between left tackle Garrett Bowles. And, you know, we obviously know what the running back situation and, you know, Russell Wilson's dealing with a shoulder issue. And we saw how that uh, manifested on Thursday night. And then you got defensively Randy Gregory and Baron Browning at edge rusher there. You know, uh, Gregory's out. Browning got hurt during the game. He may not play. We'll see. Uh, they lost Ronald Darby in the secondary. They may or may not get Justin Simmons. Uh, Josie Jewell, their starting linebacker is questionable. Like there's just so many guys that are out. Like if they get a, a, a better injury report, you know, as we head to um, towards Monday night, you know, I might look towards uh, Denver here um, because the Chargers are just typically not a great team that you want to lay a bunch of points with. Um, and I think that Denver's defense typically is good enough to to hold them down. But uh, with with all of the the injury issues for now, I, I it's just a stay away from me. So um, n- nothing right now, but we'll see. We'll see what the injury report looks like as we get closer to Monday night. And that brings us to the end of the card for week number six. Another riveting and information-filled episode of Edge Rush. I'll recommend to everyone else to do what I do, and that's to listen to this as soon as it comes out and listen to it again on Sunday morning because there's so much information swirling around. You might be able to really find an edge here. Thanks again to Hitman428 on Twitter, to at CleveTA on Twitter. I am at RealChrisAbbott. Thanks again to producer Jason. This is Edge Rush, and hey, If you want to go shopping for your line, do it with our friends over at BetStamp. They keep every book uh, right there, right in front of your face, so you don't have to open up all your apps. And that's going to do it. We'll see you guys next week. Don't forget to check out all the NFL info over at The Hammer HQ.